Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Pastor Carl McLaughlin from Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas. We're located in Dallas-Fort Worth, where 8 million call DFW home. Whether you're tuning in to Sunday or Wednesday's message, we pray that you will find words of encouragement. It is our mission to provide a positive and encouraging voice in the midst of uncertainty. I pray that you will be blessed by today's episode. Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. We are so, so happy you've decided to join us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. This Wednesday night for our Bible study, Pastor continues his series on the six foundation stones to build on. He focuses on transparency in this episode, and we hope you're encouraged. This word, transparency, is it more of a character quality or is it a competency? Transparent, transparency. Is it, is it more of a character quality or is it a competency? Okay, so if you're wondering, just for the sake of definition, competency is the capability to apply or to use a set of skills, knowledge, and abilities to successfully perform work functions or tasks in a work setting. An example, she is, a comp she is competent in course development and she will get the job done well and in a timely manner. So when that statement, she's competent in course development, is made, that means that she's very adept at, or he is very qualified to write a syllabus, to write learning outcomes, to write measurements, and then to have weekly assignments, and that they're, they're sharp enough to know how to use uh, Bloom's taxonomy in writing all of the, the critical thinking questions. That's what we mean by being competent. So here's my question again. Is transparency more of a character quality or a competency? Huh? Why? Why would it be more character? <clears throat> so you base all your beliefs off of feeling? <laughs> hey, I saw you hold that up at me. That just, I'm getting you back right now. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. That's good. Okay, all right. So, Roy, you said both. Transparency is character. Okay, let's roll it. Roy, why both? Good. Yes, no, yeah, and, and I agree, I, I, you're exactly right, and that's where I'm going to head, because I was looking at it, and I'm going, okay, I feel like I'm breaking down and studying a character quality with transparency, but then the more that I looked at it, and the more I studied, I found that really it can be a hybrid approach. It absolutely does have some qualities of, of a characteristic of, of godliness, but, but there's also transparency. An example of that is, and we'll talk about what's called a trust account. A trust account is made much like a bank account, and it's based off of both your character and your competence. In other words, your character says, I will get the job done on time. When you do it on time, you've made a deposit into the relationship account. The competence is, did you do the job well and with excellence? If you fail to do that, and, and it was poor and shoddy, then there's a withdrawal. And so I trust you in your character. You got it done on time. But in your competency, I'm having a hard time trusting you because every time you turn something in, it's done very poorly. And so there's mistrust in the area of skill sets. You with me? You working with me? This is critically important, and I'll, I'll provide theology to support this, but think about it in Luke chapter 19 when Jesus gives the servants a talent or a mina. 
and he says, I need you to invest this. Well, part of that was a character quality, but also they needed business sense enough to know where to invest it, how to invest it, and how much interest would be accrued by virtue of investing that. So there had to be some competency behind what Jesus was asking them to do. But at the same time, he had to be able to trust them, so they needed to be transparent in their character in the way that they were handling money. And so it was both and, not either or. <clears throat> Another question. Have you ever had an experience with someone who was less than transparent with you? So I have with Epicenter, who put our lights in. <laughs> I just wanted transparency. Put the lights in and make sure they work. And if they don't work, come back and fix them. And for all this time, they've been telling Brother Hall, and then finally I called Brother Hall. I said, Brother Hall, do you mind if I step in and call him? Call him this week. He said, I'm so sorry. We'll be up there and we'll get it fixed. I said, man, in the middle of my teaching, I've got lights. This is what I told him. I said, in the middle of my teaching, I've got lights blinking on and off. I was trying to teach about transparency, and all of y'all went, All I want Epicenter to do is just be transparent and say, man, made a mistake, sorry about that, we'll be out there at such and such time. Problem is, we've heard, I'll be out there at this time, and they have yet to come out. No reflection on Brother Hall, hopefully no reflection on me, but Epicenter has dropped the ball on us. They have been less than transparent. Very frustrating, very frustrating. To say the least. Have you ever experienced a time when you entered into a relationship with someone and they failed to be transparent with you? They told you one thing because they wanted you to believe that, but in essence they were doing another thing all along. That does not feel good. Consider a wake behind a boat. <clears throat> one side of the wake is relationship-oriented people, while the other side of the wake is task-oriented people. Now... Imagine there's this wake behind the boat and imagine this word transparent all across that wake. Being transparent connects both sides, relationship driven and task driven. And so transparency has to tie both of them together. So I want to ask you a question, another question. Do you lean, you personally, do you lean more toward relationships or do you lean more toward tasks? Are you uncomfortable in a room with people where you have to socialize and connect and be honest with them? Would you rather be behind closed doors and not ever have to deal with people and just hammer out your work and never have to talk to anybody but just task-driven, task-driven, task-driven? Which one do you lean toward? Transparent people can be described in one word. Are y'all ready for this word? Weissawig. Weissawig. What you see is what you get. Transparency can be defined in one word. You know, you've heard it before. You've been around someone and they say, well, hey, what about Jackson? Oh, man. <clears throat> With Jackson... What you see is what you get. Basically, what we're saying is you can trust him because he's the same all of the time. He lives a life of transparency. More than any other, this competency is so close to a character quality that it's often used synonymously with the terms like honesty, truthfulness, faithfulness, and trustworthiness. This fact makes transparency hard to see it as a skill that can be learned or a discipline that can be developed. A woman by the name of Kirsten Gillibrand said this, I find that when you open the door to openness and transparency, a lot of people will follow you through the door. If you and I are not transparent in both, in both relationship and tasks, if we're not open, honest, and transparent and get the job done with excellence and on time, 
people will stay at the threshold and they're not even going to follow you in to the next thing that you're wanting to accomplish. Transparency was lost in the garden when humanity sinned. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. In fact, let's read it because we could probably say this was the law first mentioned when transparency was lost. It was when humanity sinned. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was complete open transparency. In fact, this is the way that the Bible described them is that they were naked and they were not ashamed. This nakedness was far more than a physical nakedness. It was complete trust because there was nothing to hide. There was no sin. There was nothing to hide. And so there was complete honesty and complete transparency. You didn't have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And then you'd have to swing around here and ask the question from a different direction. And then swing back around here and come from this angle. Because you are assuming that there's something crooked inside of them. If I can ask the question just right, I can extract the information out of them and prove that they were not being transparent. We're dealing with that. Uh, and when you get on a team with someone or you're around someone, everybody, if there's this, this sense of feeling that they're not being straight up with me, they're not transparent, you know what we do? We hold our cards close to us. Because if we're open and honest and we just give of ourselves, then we feel like we're going to be betrayed. Because they're not being transparent. And if I share everything with them, they're going to cut me. They're going to hurt me. And so, so there's this semantics and this nuance game going on when you get on teams. And it's like you feel it in the room, but nobody wants to call it out. Everybody's holding their cards close to themselves. And it's just like, yeah, because if I, if I show you this, if I show you this, I make myself vulnerable. And I feel like you're going to betray my trust. And so we're walking around just holding everything closely. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? Let's look at Genesis chapter 3. Let's begin with verse 7. And the eyes, this is after the sin. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons or made themselves clothing. In other words, when transparency was lost, they were covering up. And to this day, we're dealing with people that are trying to cover up issues. This is a loss of transparency. <clears throat> from the garden forward. Verse 8, and they heard that, look at this, this, this is a loss of transparency. If you're being transparent, you have no reason to hide. You have no reason to run and hide. If you're being totally honest. Listen, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They stopped coming to church. <clears throat> and the Lord God called unto Adam, and he said unto him, Where are you? The Lord knew where they were. He wanted to see, will you be honest with me in our communication? And he said, I heard, the voice of, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Watch what he does here, lack of transparency. Verse 12, and the man said, right there he should have shot straight with the Lord and said, God, I ate of the fruit of that tree. I am guilty and I'm wrong. That was what God was looking for was honesty and transparency. Notice what he does. Notice what he does. And Verse 12, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Did you see that deflection? Deflection? You know, it's, it's like, I'll never forget when, when the boys were young, <clears throat> I had a treadmill in my garage. And I told them, I said, do not go in that garage and do not turn that treadmill on and run on that treadmill without dad being in there with you. Well, what do mischievous boys do when you tell them don't do that? Ah, oh, no, we can do it. We can do it and get away with it. I said, guys, just you're going to get hurt if you do that. Do not go in that garage and do that. And so, sure enough, one day, John Michael walks in the house, and he's got this guilty look on his face, and he's walking like this. I said, son, what's wrong? Nothing, Dad. All of a sudden, Blake comes in. 
And Blake's got his head down. He's hiding part of his face from me. I said, Blake, what's up? He said, nothing, Dada. I said, son, look at me. He had a strawberry. He had, his skin right here was that big and was bleeding. I said, son, what happened? Don't spank me, Dada. Don't spank me. I said, son, you better tell me what happened. Oh, I'm looking for transparency. Just shoot straight with me. Were y'all on that treadmill? I knew what they did. They, <clears throat> they elevated that thing. John Michael cranked that thing up to about 15. He cranked it up. The problem, the problem was that we had some furniture right behind it. So if it threw you off, you're going to get lodged in between the treadmill and the furniture with your head on it going boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I said, what did you boys do? Sit down and tell me what you did. I want to know, oh, nothing, Dad. It took me 15 minutes just to get the honest truth out of them. I said, what happened? I said, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. John Michael, did you, did you crank that thing up? Did you ask Blake to get on there? Back and forth, back and forth. Adam, where are you? From the garden forward, we're dealing with these kinds of things. And so God plays the game. He could have called Adam out and said, no, I'm, you're not deflecting. I'm not going to jump over. We're not going to play the blame game. I'm not going to jump over here and have a conversation with Eve. I want to know from you right now, Adam, did you do this? The woman. So God says, okay, I'll play a game with him. He jumps over and he says, Eve, did you give Adam the fruit to eat? What does she say? The serpent all of a sudden grew hands, picked it up, threw it at Eve and said, here, eat. No, the serpent that you gave, he caused me to eat. And so now all of a sudden, instead of everybody being transparent, we're playing this blank. We're just jumping around, jumping around, jumping around. I know that never happens in you raising kids. I know none of you teenagers have never done that, and you'll never do it again, will you, because you're transparent teenagers. Isn't that right? What did you make on your test? You know, it's how did you do on your test? Good. Well, that good can mean from a 50 in their minds, because they didn't study, all the way to 100. No. What did you make... And what is your current GPA right now? Uh, it's doing good, pretty good. Generality, just, I'm going to answer you as general as I can. Just be transparent. It's getting quiet. Look, y'all should see their face. Y'all need to hold those, whatever those things are. Hold them up to the kiddos. Hold them up to the teenagers. There we go. The Apostle Paul is a perfect example of the two sides of transparency. Paul was falsely accused of being dishonest. When he backed out of going to Corinth, he was supposed to go to Corinth, he told him, I'm going to come and see you, and then on his way back from Macedonia, he was going to stop again. So he said, I'm going to come see you. Twice he backed out. And so what was happening is now the, the church members in the Corinthian church were falsely accusing him and saying, you have been unreliable, Paul, and you have been dishonest with us. So the question then, because the truth is, he told him he was going to come see them, but he did not go see them. So then the question is, was Paul speaking out of both sides of his mouth? Was he less than transparent? Did Paul have ulterior motives? Did he consider them less important and then all of a sudden change his mind because something more important came on his calendar? Some people in the Corinthian church said that his vacillating was a sign of his unreliability, affecting not only where he went, but affecting what he said. Like this was real stuff going on in the Corinthian church against the Apostle Paul. So now let's read it together and I'll show you the conversation that he has with them after he's been falsely accused. This is dealing with transparency. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 1 12. I'm re reading out of the New King James Version. For our boasting is this, 
the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. You see how he starts off his argument. Not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. He gets very specific. For we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. And this is... This is like conflict resolution, and they're, they're sitting down in this room, and they're talking about these issues, and Paul is shooting straight with them. He's communicating with them, and he is responding to their accusations against him that he's been unreliable and dishonest. <clears throat> Notice what he says, now I trust you, <clears throat> you will understand even to the end. Verse 14, as also you have understood us in part. That we are your boast as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. And in this confidence I intended to come to you before. He states it right there. That you might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia. To come again from Macedonia to you. So there's the second time. And be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore when I was planning this. He gets in the middle of it with them. When I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things that I plan, do I plan according to the flesh? That with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no. In other words, don't, don't be jumping around and say the woman did it and the serpent did it. and they did. Just shoot straight with me and give me a yes or give me a no. This is what he's saying. Verse 18, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. It was yes, yes. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, by Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, whom also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So he addresses his plan, he talks about what he planned, then it's almost like he deviates and he starts talking about us being one in Christ and having the same purpose and being sealed by God. Verse 23, he comes back to the false accusation. Look at it. And, and he calls God to be a witness against his own soul. So if we're in, in a court, say, so let's act like we're in a court. Let's bring God in here, and God is going to be the witness against my own soul, is what he's saying to the Corinthian people who were falsely accusing him. This is what he says. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul that to spare you, he gives the reason he didn't visit them. To spare you, I came no more to Corinth. What he was arguing is, I have been totally honest, I have been totally transparent, you misrepresented my words, is what Paul was saying to them. Paul canceled his visit, here's, here's the exposition, Paul canceled his visit because he wanted to avoid disciplinary action against the Corinthians, not because he was being dishonest. He said, I am sparing you, you deserve to be reproved and rebuked. You, but I don't want to shame you and I don't want to humiliate you. And so I want to avoid this disciplinary action that should be going on inside of the church. I'm not ready to deal with this right now is what Paul was saying. I will deal with it and the way that he dealt with it is writing First and Second Corinthians. First and Second Corinthians, both of those letters are letters of correction because they were immoral. They were misusing the gifts of the Spirit. They, the, the women were cutting their hair. They were getting drunk at communion. I mean, there were all kinds of crazy stuff going on in that church. And he said, look, I want to come to you in person and correct all these things face to face. He said, but I'm going to spare you from doing that. I'll instead write letters to you. So they were accusing him of being dishonest. He was very transparent and he told them, this is why I waited. So, in a moment, we'll take a look at this. This was more of a character issue in the Apostle Paul. And they were testing his honesty. So transparency here is more on the side, if it was a, if it was a coin, one side was his honesty, his trustworthiness, and his faithfulness, and his ability to be honest and tell the truth. 
In a minute, we're going to look at a case study with Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 19. And it, in transparency, leans more toward a skill set that these servants had and the way that they handled the skill set that they had to bring uh, an interest or to bring um, more money or to accrue interest in what they were investing. So before we do that, I want to share with you a list of five things that happen when leaders are transparent, when dads are transparent, when moms are transparent. But let's say we're on a team and leaders are being honest and transparent and they're getting a job done effectively and on time. I'll list five and I'll only elaborate on three. This is with teams and leaders on a team that are totally transparent. Trust is greater. Number two, teams are put together better and they are long lasting when there's transparency. Number three, relationships are stronger. Number four, problems are solved faster. Number five, high levels of accomplishment is very common with this team that's transparent. So let's talk about trust. Let's talk about trust. And when you get this group together that's open and honest and transparent, trust is greater on this team. Trust is a cornerstone piece of a transparent person. When a person is transparent, there is a level of trust in that person that provides solid ground. Have you ever been around a person and every time you're going in to accomplish something together, you feel like you're walking on quicksand? Or you feel like you're walking on shaky ground. And it's like, I know I'm supposed to work with this team. I know I'm supposed to be with these people. But it seems like every time we try to accomplish something together, I'm just kind of tiptoeing through this thing. And I'm hoping that we all don't collapse at one time and we get stuck. That's where transparency is lacking. But when transparency is there, I trust you. And you could almost put a blindfold on me. Put a blindfold on me. I've never been where we're going before, but because I trust you so much, as long as I can hear your voice, and you can even take me by the hand, and I trust you so much, leave the blindfold on me. I know you're not going to lead me in a direction that would hurt me. I know you're not going to lead me into a place that's going to collapse on me. I know you're not going to lead me to a place where all of a sudden I feel like I'm in quicksand and I can't get out. Because I trust you. You've been totally honest and transparent with me. These people will make us feel like we're on solid ground. Contrarily, when you're with someone that you cannot trust, it's like you're always sinking and you're always in quicksand and you can never... And so you just, you just quit being involved. On the other hand, when there's trust on the team, the team can withstand the jolts. They can withstand the shakeups. They can uh, withstand the day-to-day -day interaction, the misunderstandings, the delays, the drop balls, the disagreements, you know, the bad hair days, the no hair days, the forgot to get out of bed days, and the do-over days. But when you trust them, you can deal with that. Transparent people are not afraid to tell you, I am having a bad day today. It's not always going to be this way, but just bear with me. You know what you do when you're on a team with that kind of person? It's real refreshing when they're just open and honest and say, look, man, I'm just having a terrible day. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to be able to contribute very much to this whole situation. Just bear with me. It's not going to always be like this. The rest of the team says, you know what? That's all right. We all have a bad day. We'll pick up your slack. Let's get after it. Let's work together. Let's accomplish some things together. When a person is trained, transparent you've got enough relationship currency in that bank you're not always functioning in the red and it's everybody's not always on pins and needles because you're open and honest and they can trust you and they've got confidence in you trust is built because people are comfortable with another person's character and competence Pat McMillan describes it this way and this is what he says by character I mean our perception of another person's motives their values honesty or moral fiber on the other hand, competence refers to a team member's capability, knowledge, their skill in general, and specifically as it impacts their assigned role. Trust is built when a person is consistently honest and follows through on their assigned tasks. And so I want you to take a look at this image. It's the trust account. 
And it's from Pat McMillan's book, The Performance Factor, Unlocking the Secrets of Teamwork. Let's take a look at that. Let's look at the trust account, the deposits, the withdrawals, and the balance. So when, you, when you're building trust in someone's life, the deposit, your character, you do what you say you'll do. Your competence is you do it well. When that happens, often it's kind of like driving to the bank and making deposits inside the bank. You put $1,000 in there every week and there are no withdrawals. After a little bit, you've got about $10,000 in that bank. What that also means is when there is a misunderstanding. What that also means is when we don't finish a task on time. Or what that also means is when, um, when, when there's a misunderstanding. Let's say that $1,000 is withdrawn from that. You're still functioning in the black and so it's not stressed out all of the time. You take people that you can't trust and you look at a group of people that are high level stress all the time. If they're in it for what's in it for me and they're not going to contribute back into the kingdom of God and it's all about me, 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 please me, please me, please me. That's a withdrawal, withdrawal, withdrawal. That relationship right there is constantly running in the red and you're going, hmm, what are they up to now? Hmm, I wonder, what, I wonder when they said that, if that really meant this over here. What kind of information are they holding from me? And there's zero trust, and so there's no communication. There's distance that occurs, and all of a sudden, the big vision of accomplishing something in the kingdom of God, now all of a sudden, we get derailed, and we can't even, we can't even do Sunday school evangelism. We can't even teach Bible studies, because, you know, if we go teach Bible study with so-and-so, they lied to me yesterday, and I don't trust them, so I can't even trust them with a soul. You see what I'm saying? And so their withdrawals, you failed to do what you said that you would do. And the competence is you do it poorly, or you didn't do it at all. And so now all of a sudden it's withdrawal, 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 and that relationship is empty. And then it's like, I don't even want to... And, and, and this, is, this is true even in families. Like this, this stuff is true even in a marriage. It's true even relationship with dads with their kids. Well, dad, you told me that you were going to come home early from work. And you told me that we'd go out in the backyard and play ball. But dad, you didn't show up. And I waited for two hours and you never showed up to play ball with me. That may not be a big issue to dad because he's cutting deals at work and making $50,000 for the corporation, but to that son that could care less about the $50,000 for the corporation, they just want to put their ball glove on and go in the backyard and play catch. And I can promise you that playing catch in the backyard is much more valuable than $50,000. Go in the backyard and play catch with the kiddos and make sure if we say we're going to do it, we do it. Because there will be times, none of us are perfect, we don't bat a thousand, there will be times when we don't do it. But if there are enough deposits in there, and they trust us, and there's a withdrawal made, then it's not as bad, because the kids know, you know, dad doesn't normally do this. Let's take a look at teams put together better and last longer. Why are teams put together better, and why do they last longer? Pure motives, strong work ethic. They meet deadlines, willingness to hear constructive feedback, flexibility to change, and they want to multiply the kingdom of God. Transparent leaders are servant leaders whose motives are to please God, live a life of holiness, and grow the kingdom of God. I want you to take a look at something in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. If you have your Bibles, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Here, Paul lists 17 men and women who were servants of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul was privileged to serve with these men and women. There are lessons to be grasped in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Notice verse 10. As you're following, I'm just going to throw some bullet points out to you. But in verse 10, if we are transparent and we are servant leaders, we understand that there's an ebb and flow of people in the kingdom and there is a possibility of leadership defection. So the question that we've got to ask ourselves is if Demas starts loving the present world and he falls in love with worldliness and he walks away, can we still treat Demas the way that we treated him when Demas was in the church? Does our behavior change 
Because listen, when prodigal walks away, we better make sure that there is a bridge built in prodigal's heart because there may be a day that Demas wants to leave the world and come back into the church. And transparent leaders say, look, it hurts for him to walk out and backslide, but I'm not going to slay his character because he backslid. I want to be honest enough and loving enough to say, you know what, I don't want him going to hell and there may come a day that he decides to come back to the church. Let's be an honest, transparent church that's not railing on their character. You with me? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Secondly, transparent servant leadership understands that God's call is more important than man's comfort and that people will not always stay. Verse 10, third bullet point, transparent servant leaders assess ministry needs and they seek those who are qualified to accomplish the task. Verse 11, look at verse 11. Transparent servant leadership always seeks to grow personally and add values or excuse me, add value to others, verse 13. Verse 14, transparent servant leadership refuses to retaliate and leaves it in the hands of God. Who has verse 14? Jacob, do you have that? Read that out loud. Did you hear what he said? This is transparent leadership. This is transparent. What's going on? Alexander did what? And how did he treat him? He left it in the hands of God. The worst thing you and I can do is all of a sudden start going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, they said this because they, and all of a sudden you've got this volleying back and forth. The best thing to do is follow the example of Jesus when they're crucifying him and he answered them not a word. Because you can, where many words are, Proverbs said, sin is not absent. If you have not prayed through and laid everything down on the altar, the more you let that stuff run out of your mouth, you're all of a sudden going to end up talking your way into sin. Amen. And that's why he said where many words are, sin is not absent. I know that there will be painful times. Alexander is going to do us harm. But the best thing that you and I can do if we're going to be honest and transparent is just Say, God, take care of it. We've got better things, bigger things to do. Let's stay under the power of God and move the church forward. You don't ever want to create a side issue and get caught up in all of that. Because again, what if Alexander wants to come back? Then we better be a church that's been open and honest enough to say, if Alexander wants to come back, please let Alexander come back. We can work through anything. Look, if we can be honest, if we can... So, so let's talk about skill set. Listen, all of us, the only language we knew was to cut people's heads off. The only skill set and knowledge base we had was, man, we're going to level you and let you have it. Well, that's wrong. You can't truly be a Christian and be that way. But, and, and this is what I wish would have happened when I got the Holy Ghost. When I got the Holy Ghost, I wish there would have been this flash drive with a terabyte of information on it. And I wish that right when I got the Holy Ghost, God would have taken that and put it in my brain and downloaded all of this terabyte of information on how to communicate well, on how to not get angry, on how not to do all. I wish it would have. It didn't. You know why? He said, I want you to learn how to develop and grow. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Go study Carl McLaughlin and learn those things and put them into practice. You're going to fail when you make a mistake. Just be honest and stuff. Say, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Let's work on this together. Transparent servant leadership knows when and what to communicate to the ministry team regarding toxic people. Verse 15. You can talk about the issue without assassinating an individual's character. And there may be times when you have to discuss a very poisonous, toxic situation without attacking the person themselves. This is transparent leadership. You with me? Transparent servant leaders recognize God's protection from evil. This is verse 18. And the empowerment to complete our heavenly assignment. 
And then verses 19 through 22, transparent servant leadership enjoys talking up the people on the ministry team. Look at verse 19 through 22. Who has verse 19 through 22? Eric, you got it? You want to read it? Huh? You will? You need this. Verse 19 through 20. Here, here's what transparent. Here's the deal. When people are transparent, it's like, I'm not jealous of you. I want to talk you up. I want to build the church up. I want to build the team up. This is what the Apostle Paul's doing. Go ahead, Derek. Salute Pris Prisca. Yeah. The thing is, those terms are so hard, we won't, none of us will never know until we get to heaven if we said it right. Like, man, we'll get up there and I said, you butchered my name down there. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Tell me how to pronounce that. Go ahead. Ed Aquila, Ed, the household of Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Eratos, abode at Corinth. Corinth? Uh -huh. In Corinth. But Trophimus? Sure. Have I left at Miletum. Miletus? Sick. Sick. Do thy. <laughs> <laughs> keep going, Bubba. Don't stop. If you stop, you'll dig a pit and you'll keep digging. Just keep going. Keep going. Trust Do me. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Ebelus greeteth thee and buttons. Dude, you picked the hardest. You picked the hardest ones to read. <laughs> and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren the Lord Jesus Christ be with us, thy spirit grace be with you, amen <laughs> Bob, you're getting, some, you're getting some flags look at that you see, you see what Paul chose to do you see what he did he, he deals with it, but when he concludes, he's saying the church is full of some incredible people. Let's talk each other up. Let's live high. Let's live that place where we're building each other up, encouraging one another. Instead of walking around saying, yeah, you know what's wrong with Noah? Yeah, but, but really, that's nothing compared to Liam. And when you think about those two, I mean, Brennan got a triple portion, and he's much worse than both of these guys. Like, who would want to do that? Find something about Noah specifically that you absolutely love and build that thing up and build that thing up and build that thing up and build that thing up. You find out he's given himself. Find something in Liam. You know, he's absolute, God has anointed him to play the drums. Uh, he's absolutely incredible playing the drums. He's not afraid to testify in front of young people when they were on tour that, that I would have been afraid to talk in front of. He stepped forward, talked... Uh, openly about the Lord, uh, encouraged other people, find something good to talk about, build people up, say, this is the church I belong to. Thankful for the church. It's, it's just building a team and staying together. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. The third one is when there's a team that's transparent, there's a high level of accomplishment that happens and it's pretty common like they work at a high level all the time Luke chapter 19 verse 13 this is where shifts not 100% but quite a bit from from a character side to more of this competency notice what he says and he called his ten servants and he delivered them ten pounds and he said unto them occupy until I come well, if you go back and start, um, well, right around verse 12, and you go all the way down to verse 27, it's all about transparency and the lack of it. In the parable, transparency had a character quality of trustworthiness, but it had a competency of investment, multiplying resources, and a skill set to work together and accomplish more than working alone. In fact, it'd probably be good just to read it together. Can y'all can y'all throw that up there? Luke 19, beginning with verse 12. The word occupy spoken by Jesus was infused with potential. 
to accomplish kingdom work at a very high level. <clears throat> when you look at this term, occupy until I come, there was a visionary component to it, but there was also a, a management component to it. And according to Thayer's abridged dictionary, it means to trade, it means to invest, and it means to carry on a business. So when Jesus said to them, occupy, he's saying, take what I've given you, trade, invest, and carry on business, and ultimately multiply what I've put into your hands. Transparent servant leadership is trustworthy leadership. The servants were entrusted with 10 pounds and expected to preserve and multiply what was given to them. So notice some things about these, and then we'll read it together. Their character received it. Their motives multiplied it. Their kingdom agenda refused to take credit for it when they did multiply it. Their vision was to lead in a manner until he returned. He said, keep doing this till I come. We're looking at the rapture. We're waiting on the rapture. God has put some things inside of you individually, but he's put some things inside Calvary collectively. Do we have the character to receive it? Do we have the motives to multiply it? Do we have the kingdom agenda to not take credit for it when good things happen? And do we have a vision to keep multiplying it and growing it until he returns? We've got some work to do. And we need transparency. So let's take a look at it. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. This is a parable about the church. Go ahead. And he called his ten servants and he delivered to them ten pounds. This is, he said, I'm going to put something in your hand. Just be transparent with me. I'm coming back. And when I come back to you, I want you to answer me with complete honesty. I want you, while you're on earth, I want you to invest everything that I've given to you. And I want you to accrue some interest. I've put this in your hands. He said, occupy till I come. Preserve it and multiply it. Go ahead. But his citizens hated him and sent him a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Go ahead, verse 15. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. you talking about purity, the character, transparency. Did you have the ability to gain knowledge enough to know where to invest this and give a return when I come back? Go ahead. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, well, well done. King James Version said, well done, thou good servant. Because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Did you get that? This is talking about the millennial reign. He said, what you're doing on earth right now, because you have been faithful in this little, you've been totally transparent, you have multiplied what I gave you, because you were faithful, there are going to be ten cities. You, you know, the Bible teaches us that we will actually judge angels as well. And there, when you get to the millennial reign, there are going to be ten cities, but because you've been faithful here, you're going to be able to lead and manage ten cities there. Go ahead. And the second came to him saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. Go ahead. And he said likewise to him, thou shalt also be over five cities. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I've kept and laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man, and thou takest thou that didn't uh, that thou layest not down, and you reapest that you didn't sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then? Gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. Go ahead. And, and he said unto him, Lord, 
he has 10 pounds. Did you see that right there? Why in the world are we going to give him, why are we going to give him more? He's already got 10 pounds. That's why we're going to give him more. Go ahead. For I say unto you that to everyone which hath shall be given. Why? Why? Like, man, that's not fair. Abishai's only got one. Lucas has 10. Jesus takes one away. Another one's got five. Jesus takes yours away. And he says, mm, you got five, you got 10. Here, I'm going to give it to the one has got 10. That's not quite fair. Why did he do that? Because he looked at his competency. And he looked at his business sense. And he said, I want to put this in the hands of somebody that can turn it into more. And be honest with me when I come back. And if you had 15, don't tell me you had 13. And pocket two. If it's 15, it's 15. Be honest. So there was a side of character and a skill set. And he that hath shall be taken, or he that hath not shall be taken away from him. Go ahead. But those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. And that's a whole, the whole another issue on submission. They do not want to submit to the Lord. So I want to ask you a question. Whether it's a character or a competency, have you been transparent? Have we been transparent together? And been honest. Is it easy to play the blame game and it's that person's fault? Is there anything that you need to own up to and just say, Lord, you know, I've been running around blaming everybody else, trying to escape my own guilt. And I realize that running and trying to escape has only brought me more pain in my life. And I need to admit to you, I'm the one that's guilty. I am sorry. I want to be honest and transparent with you. I want to open the altar right now if anybody would like to come and just say, God, take everything. I want to be open, honest, transparent. Thank you so much for listening to the Affirm Podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's episode. If you want to stay connected with the church and the podcast, do not forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Calvary Ulis or visit our website at calvaryulis.org. That's calvaryulis.org. And we will see you guys next week on the Upper Room Podcast. Bye, guys.